2: When I was little and used to go to the river, you know, at the river you'd get all the stones that had been polished smooth by the water and they were different colours. And as a as a child, I really wanted a microscope, but it was $200 in the 70s, so that was beyond our means, but I used to walk past, you know when you were a kid and you'd walk past a window and you'd kind of drag your fingers along the window when love was something inside the shop? I used to do that with the microscope. (laughs) You know, like I love you. So I always loved science, but there were no Māori in science. And none of the science that we did um, resonated with me as a young kōtiro Māori, like we were my role models, where we we was an indigenous way of looking at, questioning and understanding the world, it was non-existent.
1: Kia ora, no mai haramai ki te au Hello and welcome to Our Changing World. Kōklank in Canada NA. Professor Kura Paul-Burke is a trailblazer. She's the country's first Wahine Māori marine professor, but there's another role she takes seriously – And that's being a long-time member of the Pukehina Marae Committee. Both of these jobs are a perfect fit for her research project into restoring the quality of the Waihi estuary. Once, it was a thriving food source. But Kura says there now seems to be a permanent toxic shellfish warning sign. She's leading a research project to turn things around, with seagrass, or, as the locals call it, nana, which she hopes will improve the health of the ecosystem. Tauranga based producer Justine Murray heads to Makatu in the eastern Bay of Plenty. It's a windy day and there's a cold snap
0: at Pukehina. I'm wearing my bulky puffer jacket and gum boots, while Nick, a qualified diver and a new member to the team, is dressed a bit more casual. Shorts, you're just looking at you, making me cold. Oh yeah, you're
2: wearing shorts. Oh, my goodness. Right now, we've got on, everyone's got on gumboots uh, and/or booties, like uh, dive booties, because you're going to get wet out there. Most of us have on either shorts or um, like, like kind of wetsuit bottom pants, or the the most fantastic hunting and fishing pants, because they're warm and uh, and can soak up the water real easy. they you know, let they cook dry.
0: I'm here at Waihi Estuary to learn more about a restoration project that combines Western science and mātauranga Māori. For years, local hapu, Ngāti Whakahemo, have seen firsthand the declining ecological state of the estuary, and it's down to what's happening on land. Forestry, dairy farming and horticulture has put pressure on the water catchment. That's led to increased sedimentation, pathogens and declining water quality. But the estuary is also a mahinga kai. Tuangi or cockles is a popular food source here, but it's under threat. Dr Kura Paul Burke is determined to find solutions through restorative actions. So, before I head out, let's meet the team.
2: Our field leader Joe Burke, we have our PhD student and one of our also one of our scientific divers Megan Ranop here, we have one of our rangatahi, our taiohi teaamai, and then we have one of our other field workers and also a diver. So today we're going to go out to it's low tide and we're going to go out and do some tuangi or some cockle survey so we can go back to the marae and tell our whānau. where the cockles are, how many are there and the sizes of them too.
0: We're going to head back to Waihi Estuary soon, but first, back in a nice warm office space in downtown Tauranga, Kura and I meet up for a chat about
2: the research project Tawharautia Te Wahapu or Waihi. Kafarau means to protect. So, protect the Waihi estuary in the Western Bay of Plenty with um, our iwi of Ngāti Whākehemo and the Pukehina Marae Committee, of which I am the secretary. <laughs> um, and so, for generations, our people of Ngāti Whākehemo have raised grave, grave concerns about the declining health of the estuary because for us, Waihi estuary is a mahinga kai or a, um, a food. Basket. When you, if you go down to the estuary today and people are harvesting at low tide, that's why we go. We don't go to the estuary to play. It is not a place of recreational activity for Ngāti Whakuhimo and mainly, um, and for a lot of Māori around the country with their estuaries, it is the place that we get kai in the same places, in the same way that our tīpuna did, that we hopefully are Mukapuna will. But our estuary is one of the top five degraded estuaries in the country. The Waihi estuary, um, we have high nitrogen, high phosphorus and E. coli levels. Most times of the year we have um, uh, shellfish, Toxicity alerts, almost permanent oh, signs. Don't summer. get your prippy. Yes, exactly. Same as us, and that's because of ourselves. So something needed to be done, and we needed to be the ones to lead that charge. So if you look at the catchment or the the land, the fenua that surrounds our estuary, it's around thirty five thousand hectares, give or take. And of those thirty, of that thirty five thousand hectares, twenty five and a half thousand are. Uh, privately owned and 5000 hectares are owned by Maori so the activities on the land are reach far beyond us as a small hapu iwi of Ngati and what happens is all the practices on the land forestry farming and horticulture all those activities run into the the four freshwater contributors or little awa that run into our estuary and go straight into our estuary. And part of protecting the estuary is by doing tohu
0: surveys, that is simply reading and observing the signs. What are the indicators? Like what times the toria or oyster catcher bird eats, the growth of tuangi and the seagrass or nana.
2: When the tide goes out and you see this kind of limp-looking grass That's nana or seagrass, and they are a super important species in our estuary. Did you know that baby snapper, like little tiny ones, that they grow up and that they seek out seagrass? And because it provides food as well as shelter and protection, and then as the snapper grows, then it goes out to sea. So um, so nana or seagrass are really important habitats not only for um, little baby fish but also for our, our tuangi and our cockles because you might generally find that the tuangi are best to pick around the seagrass because the, um, the environment has better nutrients for the cockles to eat. Seagrass or nana is one of 50
0: flowering species in the world. But sadly, the nana has disappeared over time.
2: In 1943, I think there was just under 80 hectares of uh, seagrass in Waihee estuary. Hard to imagine now, because today we have two very tiny beds, and together they are less than a hectare remaining of seagrass. Seagrass uh, or nana is a very is a is a tohu of water quality. Remember our straight in canals, or that potu potu off the land coming into our canals, driving straight into the estuary, with that bringing poor water quality that knocks everything over. So our declining seagrass and nana is a tohu or indicator of bad water quality. And do the nana and tuangi live side by side, so mm. to speak? Well, the yeah. tuangi live, they're kind of like, you know, when you go to a, remember in the old days, you used to go to a disco <laughs> and you get the people in the middle of the dance <laughs> floor with the cool people, so that's the nana. Right. And then the tuangi kind of hang around the edges. Um, and that, that suits them best because um, the sea floor works best for them there. They get a good kai there. Yeah, good. Yeah. So let's no, head there. back to Waihi yeah, Estuary. Yeah, got a transit line. Okay. Okay let's go and uh, do our tuangi surveys, where are they, how many are there, their abundance and their sizing, and then after that we'll do our nana uh, surveys as well.
0: PhD student Megan Donnapia leads the karakia.
3: Wānanga. <coughs> So when we survey our nana we're just going to run a transact um, parallel with the shore and we're going to place down quadrats in five metre intervals and just record cover of the nana just to understand sort of the, the abundance of it and the current state of the nana yeah, so what we can see in front of us is actually the, the fonds, I guess, of the, the nana. Um, it's compared to other beds, this one's probably a bit more sparse, um, but it's still awesome to see that it's still present in the estuary, which is very cool.
0: As we walk and chat along the shoreline, the nana is plentiful. It kind of looks like floating blades of grass.
2: The tuangi like to live generally around around the periphery, like on the edges of the nana, because the um, the water quality is better, the kai is better, and it's more plentiful. Because the nana also brings in lots of other species who like to hide in it, live off it, etc. So it's a good place for tuangi to hang out because, assumingly, um, they have good kai.
0: We walk about a hundred metres up the shoreline. Megan Dunapier, Nick Chalmers, Anti Army, Paul Burke, measure up a space along the surface.
2: So what we're going to do now is we're going to put down a quadrat, and all a quadrat is is a square, and um, and it's the size of a, a quarter of a metre, so a 0.25 metre square, and then the quadrat we're going to put down um, at the five metre mark, and then we're going to identify, we're going to look at the seagrass or the nana, just to see the state of it first. What we can see just on top of the, of the mud or the sediment is that we've got a, quite a number of tuangi of different sizes, mainly small. We have other predatory um, shellfish like uh, this little, it's called a zicamontus, and it munches out on heaps of stuff. Uh, we're also looking at um, our nana to see how long are the the blades of the nana, and how and a potential how many of them are in our little um, quarter metre square.
0: Megan then takes a sample using the core cylinder, and it's not as simple as it looks.
2: We're pushing it into into the soft mud. Um, it's quite hard work because if a shower, showers or anything gets in the way, it's hard to push it down. No. And then we're going to bring it up, and we should have a good 20 centimeters of mud. And then we're going to push that mud into a sieve, and we're going to wash away all of the paru, all of the mud or the sediment, and to see what's left behind. And that will help us to better understand um, where our tuangi are, how many, but more equally as important their sizing. Right. Right. So the Tuangi we see on the surface actually
0: differs to the one below. The one. Yeah, because uh, like Tuangi,
2: like Tumbaro. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and so what we want to know is like how many are there that we can't see. <laughs> so we've put the um, we've tipped the sediment or the the mud into. Uh, a sieve and then we've taken the sieve to the water to the estuary in the estuary and just washed all that mud away or that sediment away and now we're going to go and count and measure um, how many tuangi we have
3: Ka pai. Tēnā kura. Cool. So basically we just we're just sorting out the the tuangi into various size classes and it gives us an indication of if there's like recruitment which is good good to know if the site's still recruiting juvenile tuangi um, and just get an, an, an understanding of sort of the, the size of the tuangi as well Did you say recruitment? Recruitment so, Re- <laughs> Yeah, recruitment of tuangi so um, if there are baby tuangi coming into the area or into the estuary still so if you get different size classes, that's actually a good indication that they're still breeding and that they're still settling in the harbor, which is what you want. So I see if there's these little ones. So you can get them a bit smaller than that. Well, that's tiny. You can even get them probably a tenth of that size. You need a kind of a good good eye for it. Wow. It's like the size of a pea. <laughs> yeah, a rice grain. A rice grain.
0: Yeah. Tuangi, the ones you may find in a supermarket, or the ones that I've had the pleasure of eating, are a bit larger, maybe twice the size of a two-dollar coin. So to see this rice grain-sized tuangi is pretty awesome. Again, the nana or sea grass plays a major part in the health of tuangi.
2: So we need our, our seagrass, our nana. Uh, we need it not only for um, tāmuri, for snapper, but also for terakihi, as well as all our shellfish like Tuangi um, and further up the estuary like our pipi, etc. Do we get um, titiko out here? Um, uh, so Titiko are disappearing everywhere uh, around... Um, Same with Tauranga. And like a, a, yeah, all around. So, But uh, we actually, as part of our mahi here, we've come across um, Titiko and we'll go and map them uh, soon, do mātaranga mapping, talking to the old people first, and then we'll go out and do what we're doing here with the Tuangi.
0: So just to explain, Titiko is a mud-flat snail. My family and I used to gather and eat these all the time in my childhood. But it's been years since I've had one. Titiko beds, certainly the ones that I know of in Tauranga, have declined. The research project Te wahapu or Waihi, led by Dr Kura, involves tohu surveys, or understanding the connection between the water, the marine life, and birds. Ngāti Whakahem will recognise the toria bird, or the oyster catcher, as one of those tohu. Now these birds love to feast on tuangi and other small fish. So basically, if the toria bird is around, then for them, it's kai time. In fact, on the morning of my visit to the estuary, Megan Ranapia and her friend Nick Chalmers had been out studying the toria.
3: We scanned the area and did um, counts of the toria. So there's two types. There's the variable toria, or oyster catcher, which is the full black one and then the pied which is the black and white one and then once we do a scan we also look for other bird species present in that area and then after that we do a focal follow or what we call atatitiro so we pick one of the toria birds and then we just record their behaviors within a five minute um, count and we're recording things like probing and pecking so um, their handling of prey or prey interactions, also interactions with um, their other bird species or the same species, uh, and also just general behaviour like walking, preening and things like that. Yeah. What can you surmise from your observations afterwards? Like, What kind of period are you looking at observing the tauria? So what we've noticed is tauria feed... Well, when they feed, it's very tide-dependent. So they they strike during the low tide, which follows uh, a whakatauki. So this whakatauki talks about the tōria striking when the tide or the the water retreats. And we actually noticed that during our surveys um, that they actually are very tidal-dependent in terms of their feeding. And so their numbers increase and their activity increases. And because Waihi Estuary um, it kind of just does what it wants, so it actually took a while for the tide to retreat, but the Tory actually knew exactly when to come, which was very cool to witness. Yeah.
0: Dr. Kura Paul Burke describes this research project as a restoration action plan. The Waihe estuary covers an area of just over 3.3 kilometers
2: and some of the neighbouring canals contribute to its decline. The four main awa or freshwater contributors are the Pukehina, the Ponga Kawa, the Kai Kokopu, and the Wharere canals, and their canals. That means that they have been straightened. Once upon a time, they would like uh, meander, like mm. S shape. Down the, down the whenua to the estuary. And when the rivers S-shape or meander, each time the water goes on a turn, some of the sediment falls out and the paruparu falls out and stays at that turn. So by the time it gets to the estuary, the water is not as polluted as it could be. So when you straighten the rivers and make it a straight canal, it just goes straight from the land, gushes straight into the estuary. There's no filter or sieve, or anything to protect the estuary. Hence the name, Tāwharautia, Protect Our Estuary. There are three main
0: components to the research project, the past, present, and future.
2: The first thing we do is we uh, talk with the old people, older than us people. (laughs) Uh, So our aunties and our uncles and our nanny and karaua, our koro. And we ask them, when you were little, where did you used to go? To get your tuangi. Um, and who took you? If they were little, if they were children, that meant someone older took them like their uncle, their auntie, their nanny, their koro, or their parents. So straight away you have two generations of information. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, it makes sense. And then
2: it comes to us, and that's three generations. And then we are also training our rangatahi, our taiohi, and that takes us to four generations of interconnected knowledge passing through of, um, of our estuary and the tuangi. This project is Matauranga Māori-led, firstly. So everything we've done is started with a, with a Māori point of view, if you like. And then we bring in the um, marine science to come and assist and um, and then it goes back out, in and out. It weaves in and out when we need it to. So in answer to your question, we do our mātauranga mapping with our old people, and then we go out with a handheld GPS, and this is a science part, even it's super fun, and we just walk <laughs> around and we map the tuangi beds. We're just using science that makes sense to us to help us make decisions. We, don't want, um, we want information to help us manage ourselves and our estuary. We we we're not looking for um, complex information that's not going to assist decision making.
0: Tararua Ta Tia Te Wahapu or Waihi started as a project in July in 2022, and wraps up in December this year. Made possible as part of the National Science Challenge.
2: Our Land and Water have been incredibly supportive, 100% behind a co-developed approach. You know, like so, this project has been developed by Ngāti Whakehimo for Ngāti um, but real or led by Ngāti Whākehimo, mm. but for our history in order to benefit um, not only ourselves, but also our neighbours as well, yeah. who, are, who are really supportive. So, one year on, what are some of the findings? We now know, um, based on the mahi that we've done in this project, we know exactly how big our tuangi and our seagrass beds are. And then that then gives us that, so the mātauranga kōrero with our old people, that was our baseline, our Ranga baseline. Then we brought in the Western Science and went and mapped the current state. So we know now if we did anything, have we increased the beds or have we decreased them? It gives us a firm boundary to go about our business as we try to look at restoring and um you know, Afi Afi, our estuary.
0: Mm. So, when we talked earlier, Kura, about the the pollutants, um, is the Modi
2: there? The Modi exist in the estuary at this point in time? Yes. Our estuary is alive, right? Yeah. Um, so, we have Hinimuana mua, and Tangaro coming in at the mouth twice a day on the, on the high tides, yeah. coming in, flushing out the estuary, and then draining it back out again. We have those four freshwater canals, you know. They're still straight, and they're they're not the greatest, but they come in into so there's constant life there, but um it could be better. So this project is all about restoration. It's all about our history, but in equal parts, it's about ourselves and Ngāti more, and connecting ourselves back to and our history, especially for our rangatahi, our tāiohi of tomorrow, because they're the they're the ones who are going to lead the charge. So we want them to fall in love. With their estuary. And, oh, your face makes me want to cry yeah. the way you did that. <laughs> but nice. that's what we want. But how, you know, we talk about you know we talk about our youth and, like, sometimes, like, oh, they're kore this. But how are they going to know mm. if we don't pave the way? We don't need to make it hard. We need to make it accessible. Yes. At the beginning of this kore remember I talked about how there was no Maori science teachers? Yes. So this is it. This is about creating space for our rangatahi and our taiohi for tomorrow, you know, our leaders of tomorrow, that they, they know the history. They'll walk in and go, oh, yeah, I know the birds go, they do this, and their nana are over there, and tuangi are over there, and the puppies over there, or don't go over there, mm. or whatever. And the only way they're going to know is by being out there.
0: And speaking of being out there, let's head back to Waihe History. And during this year, the Bay of Plenty Regional Council announced a joint venture with Iwi Collective Te Wahapu o Waihi. Ngāti Whakahemo is part of this collective. And this joint venture means that 30 hectares of low-lying farmland will be returned to coastal wetland to help improve the ecological health of the estuary. So, it's good news.
2: So bringing together like the five iwi collective, um, I think it was maybe about 18 months of us all working together, like figuring it out. Like, uh, but we all have the same co he here. Oranga te wahapu, he Oranga te iwi, uh, and so we put in um, funding applications, and uh, and ourselves, the iwi also have um, put up co um, uh, and funding as well. So mm. it's a it's a true collective for our history. Our iwi, um, Te Runano Ngati as well as Whakauiki Makitu, Ngati Pikeao, Ngati Mākino and Taapuika. And so the five iwi have come together and um, working in partnership with the regional council and we're going to restore that entire 30 hectares back to wetland salt marsh as a korowai for our estuary, so that when all the paru paru comes down uh, down the awa, like our Australian canals, when all that sediment and paru paru comes towards our estuary, our wetland will help filter that out. So by the time the water gets into the reaches the estuary, it's cleaner than when it um, hit the wetland. So that um, so that my here's like it's miharong.
0: And as Aotearoa celebrates Matariki in their own region, I asked Dr Kura about the importance of the maramataka, or the lunar phases, in her work.
2: All of our mahi, uh, when we go out diving, we check the maramataka first, we know which are the best moon phases to dive before we even check the tides. Um, and that's just from, you know, going out experience. And as uh, Megan talked earlier about, you know, ka whati te tai, ka And so bringing together our lunar phases, maramataka, with uh, tohu, in order for us to better understand and care for our history. Kia ora. And so would this spot in Maketu be ideal? Uh, absolutely. Like if you think, why he? Mm. Like he is to, you know, like ika is uh, to fish. And uh, so fishing water. Uh, so absolutely. So we follow the maramataka, we try to find um, to inform to inform not only like our daily lives but the way that we conduct our um, our Rangaho mm. for our moana. I was talking with uh,
0: Dr Rangi Matamua the other day, Jack Thatcher in Tauranga. These are two men who have really um, championed wayfinding, uh, matariki, stargazing. And you're in a position as a marine professor. Do you, how do you see that form of succession happening? And, and when you eventually want to hang up
2: your uh, cap, so to speak, are you confident that there are ones learning next to you? Yes, and firstly, like Rangi Matamua and Jack Thatcher, you know, like I didn't even know what the kufu was to describe them and, and their mahi. Um, but another thing that what they what they also do is they're inclusive. So they actually keep the kuaha open, the door open for everybody to come through. And um, and the strength of not only their marthoranga, you know, as as dohunga, but also that they're so inviting of everyone to come, learn, participate, and grow in your own self. I am all about the tāiai. I don't see myself in the same, <laughs> the same atamira as like a, the, those as those um tohunga. For me, I am all about the rangatāi because they're hard case. They're funny. They're intelligent. They're innovative, and um and I learn and I learn from them. You know, tuakana kanataina, uh, tua kana and ako. So oh. it's all about absolutely that um. Uh, how 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 can our our tāūhi, our rangatahi, learn about uh, learn about things if we don't take them there?
1: Namahi Nui kia Ahorangi, kura Paul Burke, Megan Ranapia Hoki, no te farewanganā o Waikato. Toa. Na Namahi Hoki kia Nick Joe Burke, mite a mai Paul Burke. Thanks to Professor Polbrick and Megan Ranapia, both from the University of Waikato, and to Nick Joe and Teamai, who helped with recording on the day. And big thanks to Justine Murray, who produced this episode. Sound engineering was by Phil Benj, and Tim Watkin is the executive producer of podcasting series at RNZ. Kia faya hurihanga pai ake kia koe. Follow our changing world on your favorite podcast app. Kia kemihia to mata farangi i bringi RNZ.co.nz/ourchangingworld. pukamata me hoki at RNZ Science. Look for our website on the main RNZ page or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Te koe i Thanks so much for listening. I'm Claire Cunningham. Have a great week. Kia pai tō wiki.